Numbers. But anyway, what? Galatians chapter 6. I'll be reading verses 7 through 10, a message I've entitled Sowing and Reaping. Sowing and Reaping. And you will find out tonight, this is kind of a farming sermon, you will find out I don't know anything about farming, all right? So Galatians 6, beginning in verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And so tonight when we look at sowing and reaping, we want to look at the principle first. And the, the principle here is very simple. We reap what we sow. We re- that's the principle. That's a biblical principle. That's a life principle. We reap what we sow. In other words, we get what we plant. If you go outside and you plant corn seeds, guess what's going to grow up? Corn. If you plant corn seeds, you're not going to get watermelon. If you plant corn seeds, you're not going to get onions. You're going to get uh, corn. We get what we plant. We reap what we sow. And this applies to all of life, everyday life. If you sow kindness, you're going to reap kindness. If you sow a smile, you'll reap a smile. Have you ever done this? You're just walking. You're somewhere at the doctor's office. Or I've spent a lot of time in the doctor's office with mom and dad, you know. And you just pass by people in the hallway. You smile. They smile. And if you don't smile, they don't smile either. Uh, but when you get in the elevator, don't smile real big because then they think you're weird and they'll get out, you know. But I'm just saying we, that you, you sow a smile, you reap a smile, okay? It works the other way. You sow hatred, you will reap hatred. You sow anger, you will reap anger. You sow a frown, you'll reap a frown. A farmer got sent to jail and his wife is trying to hold the farm together until her husband can get out. However, she's not very good at farm work, so she writes a letter to him in jail. She said, Dear sweetheart, I want to plant potatoes. When's the best time to do it? The farmer writes back, Honey, don't go near the field where we normally plant potatoes. That's where all my guns are buried. Well, because he's in jail, all the farmer's mail is censored. And when the sheriff and his deputies read this, they all run out to the farm and dig up the entire potato field looking for guns. After two full days of digging, they don't find one single weapon. The farmer then writes to his wife, Honey, now's the time to plant the potatoes. So we reap what we sow. Every and everyday life and in eternal life. You sow personal faith, you reap personal salvation. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that He died on the cross to pay for your sins, that He was buried for your sins, and He rose again the third day, you sow personal faith, you reap personal salvation. You sow to the kingdom, you reap souls for the kingdom. You sow to self and our worldliness, and you'll reap damnation. And so we reap what we sow. That's the principle. In everyday life and in eternal life. So I want you to think what you are sowing. What are you sowing in your marriage, husbands and wives? Are you sowing love? Are you sowing disagreement? Are you sowing stubbornness? Remember, you reap what you sow. So if you are sowing love, you're going to reap love. But if you're sowing disagreement, you're going to reap disagreement. If you're sowing stubbornness, you're going to reap stubbornness. What are you sowing in your family relationships? Parents and children? Are you sowing respect? You'll reap respect. 
Are you sowing discord? You're going to reap discord. What are you sowing in your Christian walk, brothers and sisters? Are you reading your word, the Word of God? Are you studying the Word of God? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? If that's what you're sowing, you're going to reap the benefits of that. We get out of our relationships what we put into them. If you say, I'm not getting anything out of my marriage, I would ask you, what are you putting into it? I'm not getting anything out of my family relationships, I would ask you, what are you putting into it? I'm not getting anything out of the sermons at church. I'm not getting anything out of the Sunday school lessons. What are you putting into it? We reap what we sow. It is a principle of everyday life. It is a principle of eternal life. As we see the principle. But secondly, I want us to look at the practice. We choose what we will sow. An investment in the flesh produces fleshly results. The flesh, as Paul uses it throughout Galatians, that's the sin nature. The sin nature leads to earthly corruption now and eternal corruption in the future. We invest in the flesh by just doing what comes natural. That's how you invest in the flesh. Just do what comes natural. You might remember, but Paul gives a representative list, not an exhaustive list, but a representative list of fleshly investments. Go back to chapter 5. Look in verse 19. You might remember this, those of you that were able to be with us. He says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. I don't know if you remember, we spent a lot of time on that phrase, and such like, uh, indicating that Paul's not saying this is all there is to the fleshly lust. This is a representative list. But they all have to do with unfaithfulness. Sexual unfaithfulness. Spiritual unfaithfulness, interpersonal unfaithfulness, and even personal unfaithfulness. And Paul underscores here that one who habitually engages in these is not a believer. Look at the rest of verse 21. I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is really serious business. If you sow to the flesh... You're going to reap corruption, not just now, but forever. We can follow our nature right to hell forever. And I say we, I don't mean, I think mostly, if not everybody, I'm speaking to believers here, but I'm just saying people in general can follow their sin nature right to hell forever. That's if we invest in the flesh. An investment in the flesh will produce fleshly results, but an investment in the Spirit produces spiritual results. Now, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit promotes the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit produces fruit from God. Again, back to Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, after Paul has just talked about these bad things, these fleshly things, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, generous, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So when we invest in the Spirit, He promotes the Son of God and He produces fruit from God in our lives. And the Holy Spirit leads us to everlasting life. He leads us to everlasting life. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 18 puts it this way. The wicked works a deceitful work, but to him that sows righteousness shall be a sure 
reward. So how do we invest in the Spirit? (laughs) For once, the answer is not reading the Bible, praying, and worshiping. That's usually, that's always the answer, right? In church, and no matter what it is, you need to read the Bible, you need to pray, you need to worship. But when it comes to investing in the Spirit, actually, that's not the answer. There was a preacher, he called all the children forward one time, you know, for a children's message. And uh, he says, okay, children, I want you to use your imaginations. This is a small creature, has a real fluffy tail, and it eats nuts. What is it? Little boy raised his hand. He said, well, this is church. It sounds like a squirrel, but I'm sure the answer is Jesus. Because Jesus is always the answer, right? Well, usually the answer to any, any question in church is you need to read the Bible, pray, and worship. In this case, that's not how we invest in the Spirit. Once we have placed our faith in Christ, we invest in the Spirit by demonstrating His love to others. First of all, to our spiritual leaders. Pay attention to this. To our spiritual leaders. Everybody listening? Look in verse 6. Let him that is taught in the Word communicate. That word means share. Communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Now, this is not so much paying the preacher, although I... I could preach a sermon on that. It's talking about participating in the ministry of the Word of God. And so my job, you know, my employment is to preach the Word of God to you and others out there. But I can't do all this by myself. I need your help. We work together, right? And so how you invest in the Spirit is showing love, first of all, to your spiritual leaders. Secondly, to your spiritual siblings. Look down in verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And so we show love to our spiritual siblings, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then thirdly, we show love to our spiritual prospects. Again, back to verse 10. Paul says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men. So all men includes everybody, right? Believers and unbelievers alike, all men. And so those are our spiritual prospects. Uh, people, I was talking about divine appointments this morning where you pray for those opportunities and God brings people into your path and you can share your faith with them. And so the way we invest in the Spirit is we show love to our spiritual leaders, we show love to our spiritual siblings, we show love to our spiritual prospects. So I want you to think tonight, does your giving in these areas reflect true love for God and obedience to God? Showing love to your spiritual leaders, your spiritual siblings, and your spiritual prospects. And consider the seed that you have to sow. First of all, consider the quality of the seed. There's good seed and there's bad seed. What are you planting? And consider the quantity too. If you sow a little, you're going to, or you can sow a little or you can sow a lot. If you sow a little, you're going to reap a little. If you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot. How much are you planting? How much are you sowing? Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, but he which sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. So consider the seed that you have to sow. Consider the quality. It can be good or bad. Consider the quantity. It can be a little or a lot. Thirdly, consider the chronology. When 
are you planting? You say, well, the best time to plant is in the spring. Planting later works, but not as well. Well, those who begin sowing spiritually later in life always regret wasting their youth sowing to the flesh. I've never met anybody that became a Christian, a believer, later on in life and was so happy that they wasted all their youthful years where they had the best of their health and the best of their freedom and they could have done so much for the kingdom of God, but instead they sowed to the flesh. Thank God they were saved, but they never look back on those fleshly times and say, boy, I'm so glad I did that. In fact, they say, you know, I wish I had been living for the Lord back then. There's so much more he could have used me to do. And so think about the seed that you have to plant, the quality, the quantity, and even the chronology. Start young. I know we've got some really young girls at this site. Start young. Start young. So we've seen the principle. You reap what you sow. We've seen the practice. We choose what we will sow. Let's look thirdly at the promise. God is not mocked. Look in verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Here's a promise. God is not mocked. He knows where we are investing. He's not fooled by insincere piety. Even though we may be able to fool everybody else, we don't fool God. Those that keep a, a Bible on the coffee table. They never open it. They never read it. But it's there in case the preacher or somebody else comes by and sees that. Or church attendance without worship. I'm sure we're all guilty of this at one time or another. We come and we sit through church, but we don't actually worship. We're thinking about dinner. We're thinking about what we got to do at work. We're thinking about the kids or whatever. But we certainly shouldn't consistently be attending church without worshiping. Or we pray. But it's just for show. In upward soccer, we coaches give out stickers for different things when the when the players when they're good on defense or good on offense or whatever the case might be. But the the pinnacle, the best sticker you can get, is a a white star on a back a black background, and that's for Christ likeness. And that's when you see it out on the field when. Uh, maybe somebody scores a goal, but they don't, you know, jump up and down, look at me, look at me, but they, they're happy, of course, but, you know, they just, it's a game. Or when they help somebody from the other team up, it gets knocked down or something like that, and you see that, and you give out a Christ-likeness sticker. But they only go to the players. But I passed out a couple of Christ-likeness stickers yesterday, not to my players from a couple men from our church. And I know they don't care about a sticker like a kid does. But I've heard these men pray in church. And I've heard them pray out on the soccer field. And I love to hear them pray. And when we have the offering time, you know, I could just take care of all the prayers in the church here. I love to hear more people pray. And so these men, these two particular men, not that they're the only ones, but I gave them stickers yesterday. <laughs> and they're like, well, what is this? I said, this is a Christ-likeness sticker. This is the most important sticker I can give you because I've really appreciated hearing your prayers in church and I've appreciated hearing your prayers out there on the field. But some people just say prayers for show. 
They want to sound good. They want to impress people with maybe the flowery language that they can use. It doesn't impress me, but more importantly, it doesn't impress God. What impresses God is when we pray from our heart. That's what God wants because he sees right through it anyway if we don't. And so God is not mocked. He's not fooled by insincere piety. We cannot spend our lives sowing to the flesh and expect God to open heaven's gates to us when we die. But this is what most people believe will happen. I've been to a lot of funerals. You've probably been to more than you want to admit, but I've been to a lot. And sometimes I get called to funerals where people don't have a pastor. They don't go to church anywhere. And so they, they know that you're supposed to have a preacher, so they call somebody and we show up. But when you talk to the family, these people that have spent their entire lives sowing to the flesh, some of them even want to be buried with their six-packs, when you talk to the family, they will tell you their so-and-so loved one died and immediately was conferred to sainthood and they're with Jesus walking the streets of gold right now. You know what they're doing? They're mocking God. They're mocking God. They believe this and they are making God out to be a fool. That he would just let you sow to your flesh your whole life and then die and then just let you come to heaven. Now somebody that spent their entire life sowing to the flesh and then received Christ even at the last moments of life, can they go to heaven? Absolutely. Jesus told a parable about that. The guy that was hired at the 11th hour and he received the same pay as everybody else. But to just assume that God's going to let you into heaven after you lived your entire life of rejecting him, that's mocking God. And that is turning this principle that we reap what we sow, that is turning that principle upside down on its head. Speaking of that this morning, I, in late service, Mr. Neil Wilsey, he, he has some issues with his eyes. You probably know that. But anyway, he was getting ready to come up to the pulpit to lead the music. And I, he's got this big, large print hymnal. And so I was talking to him right before, and it was upside down in his hands. And I told him, I said, you know, Neil, you might want to turn that thing around before you try to lead us in music. He said, no, I'm going to stand on my head. I said, fine with me. Can you lead music with your feet? You know, can you do that? He said, I could try. People that think God will allow them to lead a life of sowing to the flesh their entire life and then just let them into heaven just because they died, they are making God out to be a fool. They are saying God doesn't mean what he says. That God is just like some old man who is blind and deaf and can be easily fooled and easily led astray. You might believe that about God. It ain't so. We will reap what we sow. Whether we're talking negatively we will reap what we sow. Listen to Eliphaz. I'm currently reading through the book of Job in my private uh, time. And, of course, the, Job's friends, and I'm sure, not sure why they call them friends, but they say some things that are right. And Eliphaz has this to say in uh, Job chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity 
and so wickedness reaped the same. Now, Eliphaz wasn't a very good friend, but he was right about that. And so we reap what we sow negatively, but also positively. I shared these verses a few weeks ago talking about our older children. From Psalm chapter 126, beginning in verse 5. It says there, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Bringing in the sheaves. Remember that old song, bringing in the sheaves. And I think when we dedicate children, it provides an excellent illustration. We are trusting God. We are saying, you know, we are going to sow into these children might be a baby that somebody brings here. We're going to sow goodness. We're going to sow righteousness. We're going to sow holiness. We're going to sow the word of God. We're going to sow, you know, Sunday school and vacation Bible school. We're going to sow all these things into this child. And we're going to reap what we sow. Now I will tell you, I hope she's all right. I will tell you this. We have a promise in Proverbs 22.6. And it says this, raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. But sometimes you've got to wait and wait and wait and wait. But it's a promise from God. So if you have sown the proper uh, righteousness into your children, you're going to reap eventually because it's a promise from God. But the key to that verse is, where it says, uh, <laughs> I forget how it goes now, and I just quoted it to you. Uh, Raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old. The word old in Hebrew literally means mature. Now, we all mature at different rates, right? It's not only true physically, it's true spiritually. I have two older brothers who were raised by the same parents, same churches, same Sunday schools, same everything. Mom and dad are still waiting. And I don't know how much longer they can wait. I mean, you know, they're 94, 96 years old. And they may not even see it. But I believe God. It'll happen. We will reap what we sow generally in this life, definitely in the life to come. There will be a harvest, so I want you to think, what will you be reaping? There will be a harvest. What will you be reaping? Is a few years of sowing to the flesh worth reaping an eternity of hell? I don't think so. Rather, sow to the Spirit for those same few years and reap eternal life. You're not missing anything living like the world anyway. Some of that stuff Sally was talking about from Sunday school. I mean, these people are really getting violent out there. And to be among them, to be one of them and among them would be a horrible thing. You live a conflicted life. You live a life of death. It's like a death cult. You're not missing anything, not being with them. Sow to the Spirit and reap life eternal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this privilege to be here tonight. And Lord, according to the weatherman, I'm already thinking that things are going to cool off tomorrow. 
And so, Father, bless us as we go. May we enjoy the days that you've given us. We do pray for those divine appointments. May we be faithful to share when you bring them our way. Help us to always remember this principle. We reap what we sow. May we sow to the Spirit. And we know we will reap everlasting life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, everybody. Thank you.